0: So we come in our study of uh, the lives lives of Elijah and Elijah to 2 Kings chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, would you please turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. Um, We'll be finishing up this series uh, right this month and then move into the Christmas season uh, in December. So the passage we're looking at this morning is very similar to one I spoke on a couple months ago when Elijah... um, multiplied food for the widow who is in seraphat of the Sidonians so he multiplied food for the period of time that they were in a famine and then he raised her son from the dead and here's Elijah in many ways doing the same kinds of miracles he also multiplies food he multiplies the oil of a widow and then he uh, raises the son of the shunammite back from the de- from the dead so in second kings chapter 2 we looked at the calling of uh elijah and elijah asked elijah that he would receive a double portion of his spirit and he said if you see me ascend into the heavens it will be given to you and so he saw him ascend into the heavens and truly he was given the spirit of elijah that rested upon him so he took his cloak And went to the river Jordan and he hid it with it Elijah's cloak and the waters parted and the prophets who were standing there saw this and said truly the spirit of uh, Elijah is upon him both of these men Elijah and Elijah the prophets of God point to Jesus who came as the prophet of God because Jesus did these miracles as well he multiplied food and He raised people from the dead. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these prophecies that we are looking at and the stories and miracles that He performed. So this morning we look at, we're looking at two stories, both of which are stories of women of the faith. And actually one of them is mentioned in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Uh, what we're look, uh, actually reading today in, in Scripture, it says that women receive back their dead, raised to life again. She was a woman of the faith who trusted God to even bring her son back again to the dead. And we'll look at that in just a minute. So two stories. The first one is the story of a poor woman. She's a widow. The second one is the story of a wealthy woman, the Shunammite woman. So let's look at the first story first. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets, those, those are the prophets that followed either Elijah or Elijah, cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boy, two boys as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elijah said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterward shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go and and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live of what is left. A couple of um, thoughts I want to give about the context of this story. The first thought is this one. The first observation is this one. The question, why was this prophet poor? Because he died, not only poor, but he died with debt. And he left the debt to his wife, who then was struggling not only with the loss of her husband who was her provision in many ways for the family but she 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 got to the point of where she feared that she had to sell her son so they would come after her son to take him in, the, to make him slaves how was it that she that he was at a point of debt was he was he not wise with his money you know was he foolish with his money we don't know really what i believe is happening here and he points to the decay of the nation and Derek spoke about, you know, there was a bad king, and there was a bad king, and then there was a king who's even worse. You know, it, it just got worse and worse and worse when it comes to the kings, to the leaders. But if it comes to the spiritual, and prophets are spiritual leaders. I believe they were at the time, and this is like a hundred years away until the nation was taken into captivity and ceased to exist. But a hundred years before already we see these, these, the, the breakdown of society, and that the spiritual was no longer valued the prophetic he was a prophet of the Lord and, and scripture clearly says that those who serve the Lord serve in the house of the Lord so that's the priests the Levites and I believe it's also the prophets who proclaim the word of God to the nation were to live of the donations of the tithe that the, the nation would provide for them and here's a prophet who's poor and I think what he points to basically is that the nation no longer valued the prophetic they no longer value the word of God. They no longer the proclamation of the word of God. And it's just not a good place for a nation to be at. One of the things that Derek and I have wrestled with a lot is just the question, what is the prophetic ministry of today? It's a hard question for us to wrestle through. What does it mean to proclaim the word of God in our society today? As we also believe there's a decay, which is happening in our nation. what does it mean to speak the word of God into our culture? And is the ministry of prophecy even still valued in our culture. If not, if not, we know from the scripture, the example from scripture, it will not end well, nations decay. If the spiritual is no longer emphasized, and I believe we're not in a good point where our nation has not really turned to God in crisis we've not really sought him so we see just from the context of this story um, that even those who ministered in the house of God those who ministered to the people were no longer valued in many ways so he, he he became poor to the point of where he left this debt with his family a very difficult place to be for the woman and so the second observation is also that uh it, it came to a point where she feared that her sons would be sold as slaves there's no scriptural reference of this happening or should happen the law allows in Leviticus and, 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 and Deuteronomy it allows that a person who f- falls into hard times a Hebrew that he can sell himself his service he can sell himself to a person seven years and then he is to be released to go back to his hometown to go back to his property to get back the land it's actually it says he should even be given uh, for the journey. he should be given donations so he can re-establish himself as a family in Israel but they got to this point where the, the, the compassion is gone you know compassion in society is disappearing and so that's just an observation Another observation we see in this story but here's this woman of faith a poor woman And in her predicament, she comes to Elijah and says, Elijah, my husband served the Lord. He was a faithful servant of the Lord. And he died. And now I am in this clinch, in this difficult time. And so Elijah asked her the question, so what do you have? What do you have? Well, I have a little bit of oil. Imagine that. Go home and look in your cupboards. How much do you have left? That's poverty. There's a woman here who's poor. She can say, I only have a little bit of oil. That's all I have. That's poverty. I mean, go in your basement. I I went into our basement this week. I had to build more storage room uh, recently because we have so much stuff. You know, it's amazing. We came back from Thailand six years ago, and we got rid of a lot of stuff, didn't we, honey? We did. We sold our stuff. We gave it away. We come back here with a few boxes, you know. And now I go in my basement and think, where did all this stuff come from? You know, it's amazing. Here's this woman. She says, all I have is a little bit of oil. A woman of faith, a man of faith does not look at what he does not have. He gives what he has or she has. He gives, gives the little bit that he has to God, to Jesus. That's the miracle of multiplication. The mi- miracle of multiplication is not multiplying much. It's multiplying little. It's the little that we have. And you see this in every miracle of multiplication. What Elijah did, what Jesus did when he fed 4,000 or the 5,000, he asked the question, So what do you have? Two fish, five loaves, you know? And so Jesus uses the little bit and multiplies it. That's multiplication. And you see, a person of the faith does not look at the lack of resources. It's not about the lack of our resources. It's about giving to the Lord what we have. And even if it's just a little bit, we give it to Him and we trust in Him that He can use the little that we have for His glory. Um, What comes to my mind here is is a story that has impacted me uh, greatly early on in my uh, Christian life is the the life of Gladys Aylward, who um, I think it was like the 20s, 1920s, 1930s who was called to become a missionary to China. And so she applied to China Inland Mission uh, to go to China, and she was flat out rejected. Why? Because she was a poor woman. She had no education. You don't have a degree in the Bible. You know, how are you going to teach the Word of God if you don't have a degree in the Bible? You're not, you don't have a degree from a seminary or whatever. So they rejected her. But that didn't stop her she was called to go to china and with what little she had she began to work as hard as she could serving as a nanny and serving people in their homes she saved every penny she saved every pence until she had saved enough money that she could buy herself a ticket to to on a train all the way from england to china going through russia those were the war days between russia and china and she trusted the lord and he brought her to china safely You know, here's a woman of faith who just, what little she had, she gave it to Jesus, and he multiplied it. And you probably have heard the story. They even made a movie of her life, The End to the Sixth Happiness. It's a beautiful movie telling the story, the impact that she had in Chinese society. A woman of the faith. She trusted in God, and so did this woman. She brought her a little what she had. She brought it to Elijah. Elijah. And he multiplied it. And he said, don't just ask for a little. You go to your neighbors and say, can I borrow some jars? And said, Okay, give me all of them. What do you need them for? Well, I'm going to multiply the oil. Excuse me? You know, kind of. But she trusted God, you know. She was a woman of the faith who trusted in the power of the Word of God. And then she saw the miracle of multiplication happen. And her faith was great. Because it wasn't just a little bit, it was much. Because after, after it ceased and the, the, the oil stopped because all the jars were filled, she goes to Elijah and tells him, I did what you said. Now what? Go sell it. And it was enough not only to pay off the debt, but also for her to live on for the next few years. Because that was her hope that her sons would grow up and then provide for her. A woman of the faith, a poor woman of the faith who trusted in God and followed Him. That's the first story. And then the second story is the story of the Shunammite, also a woman of the faith. And she's one like the, one, the widow in Seraphat who's mentioned there in the book of Hebrews, a woman of the faith who believed that God could raise her son from the dead. And truly it happened. Before we get into the story, I just want to make a comment about raising people from the dead. Um, It doesn't happen a lot in Scripture. I mean, there's two stories in the Old Testament, and there's Jesus raising people from the dead, and, of course, Jesus who rose from the dead. But whenever you read about people being raised from the dead, it should give you hope. Because this is the ultimate proof that atheism is wrong, and nihilism is wrong. Because it proves that life continues after death because you can call a person back from the dead. In calling people back from the dead, it proves that eternity is present, that God is eternal and we've been given eternal soul. That's hope for us. And if you're an atheist or or a nihilist or you're watching this from somewhere, this should trouble you. That should deeply disturb you because you are believing something that is false. Scripture clearly points out it's false to believe that life ceases to exist after death you're on a dangerous journey there so it should give us the hope to know that there is eternity the proof actually for me it's a proof now some people say well scripture is just uh you know it's just stories you know Somebody came up with those stories, and it's just uh, kind of whatever. Well, that's always, it's, it's a it's a way to try to reason away God. But God stands above all, and we just read that in Psalm 33. You no, know, He sits in throne in His throne, and let us just humble ourselves before Him. So let's look at this story. Story. I'm going to read um, uh, just in sections, and then talk about uh, each section. Uh, verse 8. One day, Elijah went to Shunam. Shunam is a th- um, it's it's south of the lake of Tiberias it's in the area of Galilee uh, it's actually of in the region of Issachar so she was an Israelite woman not like the widow uh, the Sidonian she was, who was a Gentile she was a Jew she or an Israelite woman so she was um a believer so he went to Shunem and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal so whenever he came by he stopped there to eat she said to her her husband i know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of god let's make a small room on the roof and put in a bed and a table a chair and a lamp for him then he can stay at there whenever he comes to us uh, first thing uh, it says that she was a woman who was well to do uh, esv says she was a prominent woman uh, it, the word is simply great uh can be translated as great meaning they were they were not poor she was a wealthy woman so but the first woman was a was a a poor woman she was a, a a wealthy woman who had much but she used her wealth to serve god she used her wealth to serve god and to to follow him so would travel through the area. He would go through Shuna. Maybe he would stop. Maybe he would, as a prophet, proclaim the word of God to the people who live there. And so she invited him uh, to spend time with them, and, and, and she, she began to feed him. That's the ministry of hospitality. The ministry of hospitality, uh, she practices her faith. She's the woman of the faith, and she practices her faith in providing hospitality for people. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we should practice hospitality. It's one of the calls that Scripture gives us. says, as believers, practice hospitality. Then Hebrews tells us in chapter 13 that we should show hospitality to strangers. So the word actually means, the word hospitality in Hebrews is love strangers, love strangers. So if we, if we practice hospitality amongst ourselves, that's called fellowship. But if you practice it with others, strangers, that's hospitality, according at least to the book of Hebrews. And Scripture throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, it was so much part of the Old Testament in the culture actually, practiced hospitality is a wonderful ministry that you can practice. You may say, I cannot preach, I cannot do, but you can practice hospitality. You can love people and you can live out your faith as a woman of the faith, as a man of faith, you can live out your faith by practicing hospitality, showing love even to strangers, even maybe, maybe to your neighbors or someone else. So she was a woman who practiced her faith. The next passage then, uh, verses 11 to 13, the story continues and says, So one day when Elijah came, by, that, by now they had built him this, this place to stay, he went, out up, he went up to his room and laid down. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elijah said to him, Tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. So Elijah um, served the kings, or the king, actually, King Joram. He began his ministry roughly at the same time. Joram was king for 12 years. And he traveled with the king. He traveled with the armies. And these stories here that continue, uh, they were being attacked by the Moabites, attacked by the Ar- Arameans, and Elijah was always there protecting Israel. We need to expand the story a little bit to see this woman, at fa- uh, the faith of this woman even grow. Because in chapter 8, she shows up again. This time, Elijah tells her, go to the area of the Philistines and stay there because the Lord is sending a famine upon the land, which will last for seven years. So she trusted the word of God. There was no evidence of a famine yet, but she trusted the word of God. She moved herself with her family and moved to the the area of the Philistines and stayed there for seven years. Then she moved back. In the meantime, they had taken away her property. It looks like her her husband is dead by now because he was old by then. Because he doesn't show up. But she goes to the king. And Gehazi is there, the servant of Elijah. They're telling the story of raising uh, her son back from the dead. And this is the Lord working, you know, through circumstances. Um, There she is. She comes in right as he tells the story. He says, there she is. That's the one, you know. And so the king says, restore everything to her, give her land back, give her property back, even give the harvest back, whatever grew in those years of the famine, give it back to her. So we see this woman of faith who trusted in God, she trusted the word of God, because Elijah told her, go, and she went, and was was provided for by the Lord through her going as well. We also see that she's a woman in many ways, like a Proverbs 31 woman, because she's a woman who's content. She is humble. She is modest. Because when um, Elijah asks her, can I do anything for you? This is like robbing the genie, you know, coming out of the bottle. What would you like? What can I do for you? You know, this is, this is like, oh, great. What does she say? I have everything. I have everything. I have a home among my people. I'm accepted I'm part of my society I'm well that's contentment it's being content she's a modest woman she's a humble woman she's a she's a proverb 31 woman you know the woman who 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 serves the Lord is busy provides for her family she's also very content and so first Timothy chapter 6 Paul says if we have food to eat and if we have clothes to wear it's okay be content. Because those who seek more fall into a trap and pursue the things of this world. So contentment is great gain, he says. Contentment is great gain. It's something we need to learn, all of us. Learn to be content with whatever the Lord has given us. And here's this woman. She is is a woman who is content. Next part of the story is a little bit longer. We'll read verses 14 through 28. What can be done for? Um, she, she, she replied, "I have a home among myself." So Gehazi and Elijah talked talk with each other. "What can be done for her?" Elijah asked. Gehazi said, "Well, she has no son, and her husband is old." Then Elijah said, "Call her." So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elijah said, "You will hold a son in your arms." "No, my lord." she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. The child was roughly um, three, four years old, because we know uh, there was a seven-year famine, and it happened during the reign of Joram, who reigned for 12 years. So he was about three, four years old. So he went out, he was with the reapers, and he said, "'My head, my head!' he said to his father. His father told the servant, "'Carry him to his mother.' After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, "'Please send me one of the servants and a donkey, so I can go to the man of God quickly and return.' Why go to him today? He asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's all right, she said. Literally, the word is shalom. It's, it's, it's shalom, you know. Shalom is, means peace in Hebrew, and you probably know the word shalom, but it's, it's more just than the absence of, of, of like war, you know. It's, it's a holistic kind of peace. It's a peace of heart it's it's a piece that Paul says transcends understanding you know transcends our our knowledge it comes from God it's a piece peace of the heart it's a it's a spiritual piece it's a mental piece it's 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 an emotional piece it's, it's a physical piece it's just this sense of well-being now is she telling the truth here I don't think so because we, we find out that she's very distressed so what's she doing she's putting on a mask Right now, she's putting on a mask, pretending that everything's okay when it's not okay. Sometimes we put on masks, don't we? We put on masks pretending that everything's okay and it's not. But God wants to give us this shalom. He wants to give us this inner peace that comes from Him. And we see her being restored to that as well. So she, she saddled the donkey, verse 24. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down. For me unless i tell you so she set out and came to the man of god at mount carmel when he saw her in the distance the man of god said to his servant gehazi look there's the shunammite Run to meet her and ask her are you all right shalom is your husband shalom is your child shalom shalom she said well not really Why is she doing this? Is she actually lying? I don't think she's lying. She's in deep distress, and all she wants to do is see Jesus, you know. She wants to go to Jesus like the the parents who brought the children to Jesus so that He would bless them, and the disciples did what? Push them aside, and Jesus, Jesus was imitated one where he says he was really irritated with his disciples and says let the little children come to me because Gehazi is actually doing the same thing we will do the same thing we'll see this right now as we continue the reading um when, when she reached the man of god at the mountain she took hold of his feet what did Gehazi do he came to push her away keep her away but she wanted to see elijah she wanted to be at his feet and talk to him she wanted to talk with god leave her alone she's in bitter distress but the lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why did i ask you for a son my lord she said didn't i tell you do not raise my hope here's a woman who has deep pain and she's lived with this pain because she has been barren It says that her husband was old i don't think she was a spring chicken anymore herself she may have been even been at the time of menopause or even beyond the time of menopause and month after month after month after month the same thing her hopes were dashed every month for years and years and years until finally what did she do she gave up hope of ever getting getting pregnant so when elijah asked her the question what can i do for you she doesn't even think about having a child that's out that's not on her radar anymore but the pain is still there it's like she's, she's she has a, a a a closet just for that you know what? she keeps the pain away from the people because she's lived with it for so long it's become part of her identity to become part of who she is she is the barren woman and people probably talk about her she can't even provide a son for her husband they may have ridiculed her I don't know and so she's lived with these messages she's lived with what she believes about herself she's lived with what people have told about herself all those years and now Elijah tells her you're gonna have a baby oh no oh no 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 don't even go there I know okay that's too painful right? It's too painful for me to even consider in many ways. Because why? Because I've been hopeful for so long. Have I waited and waited and waited and finally I've given up. And I'm, I'm okay. She says, I'm, I'm okay. I have a home with my people. But there's a pain there. Scripture doesn't say this, but this is the way I'm interpreting it is, is I believe the Lord actually allowed her son to die because He wanted to take her to this point of pain, to bring, finally bring this shalom, to bring this peace that she, although she had the son, of course, but I think the the, the, the skeleton may still have been in the closet. You know, the pain was still there from years and years. The messages were still there. The things she believed about herself were still there. And so the Lord had to open this wound and bring healing. You know, I don't know if you, if you carry skeletons in your closet. If you have things that are hidden, that things that we don't even, I don't, we know they are there, but we don't talk about it. So we put on this mask and we pretend it's shalom. Everything's okay. Everything is good. But it's not. And so when, when she goes before Elijah, what does she say? Did I ever ask you for a son? Did I ask for this? You know, you remember you asked me, can I have anything? You can have anything? Did I ask for it? No, I did not. And now you've dashed my hopes again. It's a very painful place for her to be. I don't know. Do you have this shalom, you know? Peace of God that transcends understanding. He wants to give us. And I think for us to get this shalom, we have to sometimes go deeper into ourselves. We have to, to look into ourselves. Where are, where, are, where, where are the sore points in our lives? Where are the things that um, are painful to us? Maybe things from the past, hurts from the past, things that people have said about us, um, things we believe about ourselves false messages we have trusted or believed in in ourselves and and they define us they make make our identity up in many ways and so god brings us to the service by letting her son die because ultimately he wants to show us that he is a good god he's a good god he doesn't always raise the people from the dead it's only two stories in the old testament he brought people back from the dead you know not that god promises i'm going to raise your child back from the dead but he says i i am there i am the god who can give you healing, who can give you shalom, deep shalom. I don't know if, um, if the Lord is putting His finger on your life right now through the Holy Spirit. And I may be speaking to you and saying, is there, is there a part of your life, is there something in your heart that you have hidden away? Because it's a painful thing to go. It's a painful place to go things from my past that I still wrestle with I struggle through and I put on a mask I pretend everything's okay but there are things that I believe that define who I am and keep me somewhat in bondage away from the Shalom of God away from the freedom of God I would encourage you if he's speaking to you even now you would spend some time maybe today or later this week and just sit down just hold still Hold still to him because he's a good God. He is a God who can give peace and can give us this his presence, even in, in that's that's the beauty, beauty of, of our, our faith. We have a God who can heal, a God who can make all things well. That's the beauty but we do need to hold still. Allow me just to share my heart with you this morning. Um, because as I I was I as I was preparing myself, I, I asked myself, well, can I ask you to do something that maybe i should do myself you know do i need to look into my closet do i need to look into my life and ask myself the question are there things that i carry with me still and the lord pointed something out um it has to do with identity and it's not identity in the sense of who am i in christ because i know who i am i'm a child of god i'm forgiven you know i belong to him it's my identity in ministry that he pointed pointed to in in my life and if i was to be honest with you it's it's how do i see myself i see myself as as a jack of all trades but a master of none this is how i would define myself in many ways because in almost 30 years of ministry uh we've tried it all you know We've done children's ministry. We've done youth ministry. We've done proclamation ministry. We've done evangelistic ministry. We've done teaching ministry. We have done pastoral ministry. We've done missionary ministry. We've done language ministry. It's like, I've done it all. And I think I did a decent job at it. I'm a master of all, I mean, I'm a jack of all trades, but I feel like I'm a master of none. What am I really good at? You know, it's just, it's a sore point for me, to be honest it's something that I sometimes still I mean here I am 55 years old you know I still sometimes struggle with this who am I really Lord what do you have for us for me how can I best serve you and maybe it is because I'm a Jack of all trades you know maybe my gift is just to be a Jack of all trades and to serve with a little bit in any capacity and that it's just something I had to work through honestly and to understand God is is even in this, He is good and He will use you no matter what. So I would encourage you just to hold still. I would encourage you just, just give him room to minister to you. Give Him room if there's things in your life. If you need to open the cabinets and just bring the dust out, you know. Bring it out. Let Him let him move. Let Him let him speak to you. And if you need to talk to someone, if if you feel like you need to talk to one of us, please do so. Or well, find a friend that you can talk to and share your heart with. Let's look at the, the rest of the story here very briefly. So, um, she, Elijah then said to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elijah and told him, The boy has not awakened. When Elijah reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, and hands to hands. As he stretched himself out upon him, the boy's body grew warm. Elijah turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out upon him more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elijah summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. He came in, fell at, she came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. We see the faith of this woman that she' mentioned even in, in the book of Hebrews, displayed when her son dies, or after her son had died. What is the first action she did she does? She takes her son and lays him on the bed, whose bed? The prophet's bed, not on her bed, not on the child's bed, but she lays him on the prophet's bed. Why? Because that's her hope. That's her faith. Maybe she had heard about Elijah who raised the uh, the son of the widow in in, in Seraphat. Maybe she had heard the stories and knew that the prophet of God, the man of God could do such a thing. I don't know. But her, this is an act of faith on her part that she puts him on Elijah's bed and then goes to Elijah telling her her pain, laying it out before him. And then say, no, Gehaz is not good enough. Remember, he's the dude who pushed me away. No, I don't want him. I want you. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I don't need a substitute. I need you so that's her act of faith and so she sees ultimately even in with the pain that she experiences she sees god move in mighty ways she's a woman of the faith who trusted in god and he did great things and the story ends and that's where i would like to end how does the story end it ends in worship you know, because ultimately she she bows at the feet of Elijah, and I believe she bowed also before God. And your story, our stories, where do they end? You know, they will ultimately end in worship. If we follow God, if we trust in Jesus, and we, we live our lives for Jesus and with Jesus, where do our stories end? They end in worship. And we are before Him. And you know this famous song by Mercy Me? I can only imagine. You know, I'm sure you've all heard it, you know. It's always on the radio still like 20 years later something like that because it's it it moves us so deeply doesn't it i can only imagine what will it be like what will it be like the first minute when we appear in his presence what will you do will i dance for jesus or in all of you be still will i stand in your presence to my knees will i fall maybe we'll do it all at the same time you know stand up fall down it's like i don't know how I will respond you know but but there will be worship so our story your story ends in worship i should encourage us today so i invite you to stand up please and as we, as we do come before him let us worship him let us with our hearts and with our whole being let us just simply focus in on Him, the God who makes all things well, the God who gives shalom, the God who, 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 who is so loving, so kind, even if He has to take us sometimes into the dark places of our hearts, but He wants to bring healing to us. Let us just bow before this God, and as you feel led, just worship Him.